You're listening to the Metro LA Podcast, an official podcast of the LA International Church of Christ. Good evening. Aloha. Welcome to Metro Vision Studios. Uh, my name is Reese Kiana, and I want to welcome you to the Metro LA region of the Los Angeles International Church of Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in to our midweek service tonight. You know, tonight, I want to talk about three things. We're going to resume our series uh, called Be the Church and talk about the mission of Jesus tonight. The second thing I want to do is also give an update on our outdoor services. And then to close our evening off tonight, Grace is going to share a story of faith that can that that will highlight the faith of uh, of a, a disciple in our ministry, as well as give some closing announcements. But I but tonight, you know, my heart is heavy because I'd like to start by commenting on the Derek Chauvin verdict. Many of you are probably aware that Derek Chauvin was found guilty on all three charges yesterday in the death of George Floyd. And while this doesn't bring George Floyd back, I hope it brings some measure of justice and some sense of closure to his family and his loved ones. It certainly is one step toward healing in their lives and for other victims who have suffered unjustly. I hope it also furthers the conversation for police reform, that Black Lives Matter, and that systemic racism and all forms of racism are eradicated. So let's please keep the Floyd family and other victims, as well as Derek Chauvin and his family, in your prayers as we continue to pray for justice and peace in our country. At this moment, we're going to take a moment of silence, and then I'm going to lead us in a prayer and then resume our lesson. Let's pray. God, we want to come before you in prayer tonight with humble hearts, with heavy hearts. I know this can feel like a bittersweet moment. And we pray for our world right now with all the different challenges going on in the world, with the pandemic, the economy, the different racial tensions going on in our world, the the different political divisions going on. And we specifically want to say a prayer of justice tonight as we are going to be talking about this in our lesson. We pray for the uh, Floyd family and, and all of Minneapolis right now. We pray for our whole world as well that, you know, as, as we've all been paying attention to this, that our hearts can be challenged, inspired, convicted, that our hearts will go out and, and, and we pray for the Floyd family uh, as well as other victims, that they would uh, experience some measure of justice as well as uh, a, a sense of closure. Uh, on this, and and we pray also that it it, it helps to launch us forward in our faith that uh, we will stand for what is right and justice, and that our church will take the position that Jesus has always taken on justice. And so we love you. Be with their family. Be with the world during this time. Most of all, thank you. Be with our church, Father, as we're uh, going through this as well, and that we can uh, have greater faith to be able to exercise that faith and make a difference in the world we live in. We love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we've been doing a series called Be the Church, and it's this idea of 
that we don't just go to church, right? That we are the church. And what an empowering and positive calling uh, and special calling that we have as disciples in, in the ministry right now. Uh, it's an amazing, significant calling that we have. And what we've been studying out over the last two weeks or uh, this will be our third week, is about the mission of God, that God's mission is deep, and that when Jesus came, Luke 4 is the passage that we could look at and go, this was Jesus's mission statement. And as we make, as we uh, practice the, the greatest commandment and the great commission, uh, we will we will participate in mission in in physical ways as well, you know, in tangible ways that our faith can be tangible. It can be felt. Uh, people can feel our faith. They can, they can hear our faith. They can experience our faith through love and good deeds. And tonight, I hope we can really look at that. In Luke chapter 4 and verse 16, we're going to read the theme passage that we have that talk about mission on, on a more holistic scale here. It's in verse 16, Luke chapter 4. He went on to, he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And we looked at that as the lesson last week proclaiming good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying, he began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And you know, we've talked about uh, this passage last week about good news to the poor. And, and we talked about how the mission of Jesus is a multifaceted mission where you, you can see these five things. And tonight's lesson, we're going to skip down to number four that, which is, I believe is appropriate for what, what is happening in our world right now. And part of God's mission, part of Jesus's mission is to set the oppressed free. And that is what our lesson is entitled tonight setting the oppressed free. And to kind of start us off, I want to show a video from the Bible Project about God's message of justice. Enjoy. If you were a praying mantis, it would be socially acceptable to devour your mate. And if you're a honey badger, you have no regard for other animals. You don't care. If you're a panda with twins, it's normal to abandon one to take care of the other. But if humans do any of these things, we would call it wrong, unfair, or unjust. Yeah, why is that? Why do humans care so much about justice? Well, the Bible has a fascinating response to that question. On page one, humans are set apart from all other creatures as the image of God. Yeah, God's representatives who rule the world by his definition of good and evil. And this identity, it's the bedrock of the Bible's view of justice. All humans are equal before God and have the right to be treated with dignity and fairness no matter who you are. And that would be nice if we all did that, but we know how the world really works. And the Bible addresses that too. It shows how we are constantly redefining good and evil to our own advantage at the expense of others. Yeah, self-preservation. And the weaker someone is, the easier it is to take advantage of them. 
And so in the biblical story, we see this happening on a personal level, but also in families and then in communities and in whole civilizations that create injustice, especially towards the vulnerable. But the story doesn't end there. Out of this whole mess, God chose a man named Abraham to start a new kind of family. Specifically, Abraham was to teach his family to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. Yeah, doing righteousness, that's a Bible word I don't really use. But what comes to mind is being a good person. But what does that even mean, being good? The biblical Hebrew word for righteousness is tzedakah, and it's more specific. It's an ethical standard that refers to right relationships between people. It's about treating others as the image of God. With the God-given dignity they deserve. And this word justice, it's the Hebrew word mishpat. It can refer to retributive justice. Like if I steal something, I pay the consequences. Exactly. Yet most often in the Bible, mishpat refers to restorative justice. It means going a step further, actually seeking out vulnerable people who are being taken advantage of and helping them. Yeah, some people call this charity. But mishpat involves way more. It means taking steps to advocate for the vulnerable and changing social structures to prevent injustice. So justice and righteousness are about a radical, selfless way of life. Yeah, and you find this idea all over the Bible. Like here in the book of Proverbs, what does it mean to bring about just righteousness? Open your mouth for those who can't speak for themselves. And what do these words mean for the prophets like Jeremiah? Rescue the disadvantaged and don't tolerate oppression or violence against the immigrant, the orphan, and the widow. And like here, look in the book of Psalms. The Lord God upholds justice for the oppressed, gives food to the hungry, and sets the prisoner free but he thwarts the way of the wicked. Whoa, he thwarts the wicked? Yeah, in Hebrew, the word wicked is rasha. It means guilty or in the wrong. It refers to someone who mistreats another human, ignoring their dignity as an image of God. So justice and righteousness is a big deal to God. Yes, it's what Abraham's family, the Israelites, were to be all about. They ended up as immigrant slaves, being oppressed unjustly in Egypt. And so God confronted Egypt's evil, declaring them to be rasha, guilty of injustice. And so he rescued Israel. But the tragic irony of the Old Testament story is that these redeemed people went on to commit the same acts of injustice against the vulnerable. And so God sent prophets who declared Israel guilty. But they weren't the only ones. There's injustice everywhere. Yeah, some people actively perpetrate injustice. Others receive benefits or privileges from unjust social structures they take for granted. And sadly, history has shown that when the oppressed gain power, they often become oppressors themselves. So we all participate in injustice, actively or passively, even unintentionally. We're all the guilty ones. And so this is the surprising message of the biblical story. God's response to humanity's legacy of injustice is to give us a gift, the life of Jesus. He did righteousness and justice, and yet he died on behalf of the guilty. But then God declared Jesus to be the righteous one when he rose from the dead. And so now Jesus offers his life to the guilty so that they too can be declared righteous before God, not because of anything they've done, but because of what Jesus did for them. The earliest followers of Jesus experienced this righteousness from God, not just as a new status, but as a power that changed their lives and compelled them to act in surprising new ways. Yeah, if God declared someone righteous when they didn't deserve it, 
The only reasonable response is to go and seek righteousness and justice for others. This is a radical way of life, and it's not always convenient or easy. It's courageously making other people's problems my problems. This is what Jesus meant by loving your neighbor as yourself. It's about a lifetime commitment fueled by the words of the ancient prophet Micah. God has told you, humans, what is good and what the Lord requires of you. It's to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. I hope you are inspired by that message of biblical justice, how how God's message is all about justice. And I want to introduce the theme tonight that when we think about this idea, the theology of justice, that we we put it in its context of Luke 4, which is justice as mission, that part of the mission of Jesus is practicing and extending justice and praying for justice. And, and we're a church that is is concerned about that. You know, in the Greek, the word for oppression literally means to be shattered into pieces, to be brokenhearted, to be crushed or bruised. And, you know, oppression is not always easy to see uh, if we are not the ones being oppressed, right? It, like, like It's like bullying, right? It, it, sometimes you, we don't even know bullying is happening in a school unless it's happening to us or it's happening to our children. Uh, and oppression is not always easy to see sometimes. Sometimes it's about nations. Sometimes it's about communities. And, and sometimes it's about races being oppressed. But it's also individual as well. It, individually, people individually feel oppressed. And we're going to do a couple things tonight. We're going to learn about justice as mission, uh, like what Jesus looked at in Luke chapter 4. But I want to skip to one passage. That's all we're going to study tonight because it's so rich. And it's in the book of Romans. And it's in Romans chapter 12, verses 17 to 21. You know, in Paul, we get, we're going to study out Paul. We're going to get a chance to see justice theology in action and in the action of the early Christians, how they dealt with the Roman Empire. And that's the context and what we're going to be studying tonight. Amen. And uh, I hope this will encourage you in your faith tonight. I hope it will give a sense of inspiration, challenge, but also it gives us direction on what we can do in our lives to practice justice theology and, and to look at justice as part of Jesus's mission. It's not just something that's on the side that, oh, we're going to pay attention to here and there. This is part of what our church should be about is justice as mission. And so we're going to look at the theology of Paul, look at Paul's heart, but also look at the heart of the early Christians, and it can give us direction on what we can do. And so I want to look at two things tonight about Paul's theology is in Romans chapter 12. And the first thing that we learn about justice theology or Paul's theology is about being loving, that we can be loving. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 17, it says, do not repay anyone evil for evil, be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. 
You know, the first thing I want to talk about, about justice theology and about justice as mission, is to be loving. You know, the context of this passage is that the Christians were being oppressed by the Roman Empire. Uh, there was a social class system that was developed in the Roman Empire that put different classes, and obviously the emperor is at the top and different classes underneath, but the slaves, the poor, the outcasts were all at the bottom uh, of the social class system. Christians were in that category as well. But the challenge about being a Christian in the Roman Empire is you want to talk about oppressive times because we're living in oppressive times right now as well. And we're seeing it happen on TV. We're seeing it all over the world right now. Uh, but I want you to think about a person who has hurt you in your life. Okay? Can you think about a person like that? Somebody who has hurt you deeply in your life. And I want to ask you this question. Is were they trying to kill you? Were they trying to destroy you? Were they trying to wipe you off of the face of this earth? Or your community off the face of this earth? Because that is the context of Romans here, that the Christians were living in oppressive times of major anxiety and tension and fear for their lives just because they're Christian. And the emperor was trying to destroy this small group of believers and extinguish them from the face of the earth. And so they can relate to the struggles that we have right here. You know, the early Christians totally could understand the different things that are going on in our world, pandemic, racial tensions, uh, a difficult economy. I mean, the early Christians totally understood that. And Paul gives us some great direction on how to be in, in oppressive times. That when, when, that justice theology is about setting the oppressed free. And, and how can we do that is by learning how to be loving in oppressive times toward oppressive people that are pressing us individually or even communally. And uh, Paul gives us some next level spirituality and thinking. Uh, and he goes, well, how, how can you, how do we be loving in this passage? Well, it's to learn how to not repay evil with evil, to be peaceful, as far as it depends on us, to be at peace with everyone, uh, to not take revenge. You know, why can Paul say that? And it's a great passage in here, is that he says, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay says the Lord. The reason why we can be loving toward oppressive people, the reason why we can be loving in oppressive times is because, and have this kind of theology, is because we trust God, that we know that God is watching when there's injustice. God is paying attention. God knows exactly what is happening. If anyone is being unjust, God knows exactly who that person is, and, and there will be a day of reckoning. There will be a time where God will exercise his vengeance. Now, what is interesting in this passage right here is I want to show you uh, in Luke chapter I don't have it on my slide. But in in Isaiah chapter 61, let me go to the Bible right here. In Isaiah 61, when when Jesus is in the synagogue and he's speaking, right? He's actually, Luke records 
uh, a prophecy that Isaiah made, a 700-year prophecy of the coming of Messiah and what his role would be and what his mission would be. And it's interesting, in verse 1 it says in Isaiah 61, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance on our God, to comfort all who mourn and to provide those who grieve in Zion." To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Now, when Jesus was in the synagogue and he read from the scroll of Isaiah, what he read is the beginning part of it in verse 2. But what it says at, uh, from verse 1 and verse 2, but he stops, it says, the to proclaim the year of the Jubilee or the year of the Lord's favor. He doesn't say the ending of verse 2 in Isaiah, which says, and the day of vengeance of our God. Now, interesting, Paul makes that assertion in Romans chapter 12, that one of the reasons why we can be loving is we can understand that the whole context of Romans chapter 12 is love in action. And that the way we can be loving is by understanding and trusting in God's will that God knows what he's doing and he is the most just God in all of the world, right? He is the only person that is just righteously just. Uh, and he's, it, there's, there's God's role and there's our role. God's role is to that, that his wrath will one day come. And isn't it interesting that Jesus doesn't talk about that when he reads this passage in in Isaiah 61, when he's in the synagogue. And scholars believe that p- part of the possible reason may be is because he understood that vengeance is God and is not Jesus's, is that vengeance belongs to God. There's going to be a day of reckoning, and it is not that day when Jesus came. When Jesus came, he came to bring grace and love and, and, and show what justice theology is all about, that he would die in an unjust way for unjust reasons and, and be the sacrifice for all the world and show what true justice theology is all about. And it's such an amazing thought that Christ left that out. And Luke, uh, possibly thinks that the reason is, is because you know, it's God's. It's not for ours. And and we can learn so much about that, that if we can trust God in this, that when things are going astray, you know, when when people are being oppressed and systems are oppressing others, to remember that God is just in this and he will not forget. He knows what's going on. And so our his role is to is going to be one day to bring wrath and vengeance. And there'll be a day of reckoning for every soul in this world. Our job is to learn how to be loving. How? By, by not... Uh, giving evil for e- doing evil for evil. You know, often that's kind of my sin, right? Is if somebody does something, I don't just, you know, turn a blind eye. I don't just turn my, give my cheek, turn my cheek, right? I, I get even. And that's not, that's not my role. My role is to learn how to be at peace, to be loving, to be gracious, the way Paul is talking about here. And let the vent, let, let God, have vengeance in this and and he will be the one that will repay it's his and it's not mine and so we can learn to be loving in that and uh, that's a powerful thought and i hope it brings uh, encouragement in our lives and in encouragement to our faith that we can have this kind of theology the second part of that passage is 
says, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The second part of justice theology, or looking at justice as mission, right, is to do good. Is it, the, Paul is talking about, he's not saying if your friend is hungry, feed him. If your friend or a, a loved one is thirsty, give him, him or her something to drink. He's saying if your enemy is, if somebody is oppressing you, if someone is doing evil to you, that is the time to, if that person is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. I mean, you want to talk about next level spirituality. This is it. And this is what justice theology is all about. Is This is what is part of Jesus' mission is to teach his disciples this. And the early Christians did this. And Paul was giving this direction to the disciples who were being completely oppressed in their life. I'm not saying oppression is right at all. I'm not saying at all. I'm saying there's there's God's role in it and there's our role in it. And we must learn to be patient in it, even though it's incredibly difficult to be patient in oppressive times. But I want to show you a slide that for the first 300 years, the disciples struggled. And the disciples were, were practiced this kind of theology where they where they were righteous. They were being loving. They trusted in God to know that he got a role, we got a role, and, and God's going to bring things to his fruition in his timing. Look at this slide. In the first 300 years, in 313 CE, Common Era, the Edict of Milan was established where Christianity in Rome had legal status. By 325 CE, the Council of Nicaea was started, and the Orthodox beliefs of the Christian faith were established during that time. And by 380 CE, the Edict of Thessalonica was put in place, and the official religion of the Roman Empire was Christianity. And I just want us to think about that for a second. The the entity, the empire that was oppressing the Christians ended up through disciples participating in justice theology, participating in justice as mission, as bringing good news to the poor, that kind of theology, right? Changed the whole Roman Empire to the point where the Roman Empire recognized Christianity as its official religion when it first started out to kill and destroy this ragtag group of people. Talk about God turning things upside down. And I hope that can give us some encouragement as we go through difficult times in our world right now, that, that our lesson today, that, that we learn about justice as mission and justice as a justice type of theology that we will put into practice, you know? So what did we learn? Because these things changed an empire, perhaps... If we put these things into practice as well, it could change the world in which we live in as well. So as we have, what did we learn tonight? As we're in our series called Be the Church. Our lesson today was called Set the Oppressed Free, that God came and Jesus came as part of mission to set all people who are oppressed free and that he will take care of people who are oppressors. That it may not happen in our time frame, but it's certainly on God's heart and God's mind and is part of Jesus' theology. We saw a video tonight on God's message of justice. 
We saw Jesus's message as justice, as mission. What are two practicals that we can put into practice from Paul's theology of justice is to learn how to be loving, that we that we trust God in this and that we leave room for God's wrath and not take it upon ourselves to exercise vengeance or take revenge in situations where we're mad or upset or don't even understand. We can be loving to people like that who are going who are who are oppressive and we can have next level thinking next level spirituality the second thing that we could do practically is we can do good is we can overcome evil with good we can learn to pray for our enemies we can learn to pray for people who are oppressive and pray for systems that are oppressive as well we can love our enemies and so when you go into your discussion groups tonight I want you to consider these two questions. How did the Spirit get your attention tonight? What stirred you up as you were listening to the lesson or perhaps when you saw the video uh, tonight? What, what stirred you up? What did you learn about justice theology? What did you learn about justice as mission from Jesus' perspective? The second thing you can consider in, in your discussion group is what is the Spirit calling you to be or do? Let's remember, we will never change the world by going to church. We will change the world by being the church. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your attention. Good night. You've just listened to the Metro LA Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit MetroLARegion.com 